0: You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant,
1: (laughs) filmmaker and e-reader. Hey, just so you all know, uh, we recorded this before the election, so uh, I don't want to try to predict the future, but if it's weird right now, sorry, it's not... Well, we didn't make it weird.
0: (laughs) Yes, Uh, we are. We're recording this a couple of days before the election. So we're still in this like magical future world where we don't know what happens on Tuesday. Uh, So if something really good or something really bad happened on Tuesday and you're wondering why we're not uh, affected by those emotions and uh, mentioning in the episode, that is why. Although we will say thank you for voting.
1: Yeah, thank you for voting. Um, so this episode is a special Max Fund reward episode. We're giving out writing advice uh, in honor of Nano NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month, if you don't know. Um, but first... What are you reading, Bria? I just finished a book that I think our listeners... I think it's going to be when we when we do our, which I think we'll do again this year, probably. I mean, you can say no, but I feel like we'll do the thing where we're like, what are y'all's favorite books of the year? Oh, we're
0: definitely going to do our that was super fun.
1: I think this one might be up there. I think it's a novella by uh, called Ring Shout by P. P. Jelly Clark.
0: Oh, this is a big buzzy book. A lot of folks love Ring Shout.
1: Yeah, cuz it's it's going to check a lot of boxes for people. It's um it has fantasy. It's historical fantasy. Um and it is about a young uh black woman and um she uh has this sword that helps her defeat these demons who are dressed up as Ku Klux Klan members. And it and they kind of like have infiltrated what? the Ku Klux Klan but they are also these, like, sort of demony creatures. And um, the whole thing that's happening in the novella, which is so fucking brilliant, is that um, they the, the birth of a nation is being released. And all of the Ku Klux Klan people keep going to see it. And basically, these demons are using... Uh, I keep calling them demons. There's probably, like... It's like it's like a cross between, like... Like, demon... Yeah, like, demon-y kind of things. They're using it to... Um, spread hate they're using birth Relation to, to spread hate and to gather all these ku klux Klan members like in the same place so it's like this really great take on uh obviously a certain era of history but also like with a really cool protagonist uh like kind of group of protagonists um but the main one has this special sword that like helps her fight um uh, uh uh like these these horrible creatures um and it Amazing. and it's fantastical um uh, super fun it's a novella so like if you're looking for something short to read and uh, i don't want to spoil it but it's a it's a protagonist you can really root for and 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 at the end you get the thing you want so like it's a, it's a book that, that you're like Oh, cool! Like I, it's 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 dark. It's it's a very dark book for sure. But at the very least, like at the end, you're like, okay, like I feel like this ended in a way that I appreciate. Um, Anyway, (laughs) what are you reading, Mallory? Was that too much? Did I
0: spoil too much? No, it's fine. (laughs) I think I I think if you read, I haven't even read this book, but I think if you read the description of it, you can probably tell what's going to happen in this book. Um, I am reading a book that is also, I think definitely going to be in my top of 2020 uh it is one of my most anticipated of the year i talked about it in the in the episode where we released about the books that we were excited about that were coming out in the second half of 2020 and it is plain Bed heroines by emily oh, yeah. m danforth uh, it is her first adult book it is not ya so her last book miseducation of cameron post which i also loved is ya this is an adult book and it was like my i read it halloween week and because we're I, I finished it you know I, I just yesterday uh at, on Halloween um it's just a perfect spooky book um and I mean honestly even if now that we're past spooky season it's still a great read and it's one of those interesting books that so it's about a curse a, and like a tragedy that happens at this girls school in New England in uh, 1902. Uh, it is also about the book that was written a hundred years later about that curse, and about the movie that's being made from the book that's being that was written about the curse. So when you're first reading, you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is a lot to take in." There's there's two t- there's multiple timelines going on, but it is absolutely incredible it's so scary and it is it's like tailor-made for me because half the book takes place in Rhode Island which is where I'm from and the other half takes place in LA while they're making this horror movie and I was like is this book designed for me and Bria like it's just the writing is so good the characters are so interesting and so compelling because you have like the young woman writer who wrote the book about um about these two about this tragedy in this girls' school, and you have the two uh, actresses who are going to be playing the leads in this horror movie, and then you have the story of what happened at the like all the women that take that are you know involved in this curse that happened at this girls' school and it 's like exploring like queer li- the queer lives of like the the lives of queer women in 1902 and today and like how um how things have changed and like how this curse has affected everybody so differently it's just like Ugh, I loved it so much it's such it's a it's a honker it is a big book but it's Mm -hmm. one of those things where you're like I don't want this to end I want like 500 more pages uh I loved it so much so that's Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth and mine is Ring Shout by P. Jelly Clark So I want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Uh, this is imp- very important uh, feedback uh, that from Jay, who wrote in about recycling books. A few episodes ago, we talked about, how, uh, about recycling books, and Jay uh, said something that we didn't know. Uh, you can only do that with, with paperbacks. You cannot do them with hardcover. Well, I guess it. what Jay says is uh, a listener wrote in about getting rid of an old textbook and you said she can just put it in the recycling bin. You cannot do this with hardcovers. In many, many places, you cannot just throw hardcovers in the recycling. In some places, you may recycle uh, paperbacks, but so no hardcover. Uh, A lot of places don't allow either. So in Canada, you cannot put any books in the recycling bin. In um, in America, in Chicago, you can recycle paperbacks, but not hardcovers. Hard and it varies by locations. So you should, depending on where you, what your town is, what your city is, what state is, you should check with your local recycling center to see uh, what kind of books they will take before you recycle them. Mm, all right. Good to know. Thank you so
1: much. So yeah, check with your town. Um, we also have Lindsay who wrote in about book nostalgia. I just listened to your episode on book nostalgia and a hundred percent relate with you on needing to read the most, the most and win arbitrary prizes. (laughs) My school had an accelerated reader. You would read a book on the list in the accelerated reader database, then use the big chunky computer in the corner of the classroom to take a quiz when you were done. Oh, I think I remember this actually. That sounds familiar. We did not have this, but I would have loved this. I would have lived for this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Each book had a certain number of points. Yes, I did have to do this. Each number of, a book had a certain number of points you could earn depending on the reading level and how many questions you got right. The points could be redeemed for prizes. The prize worth the highest number of points was a triangle-shaped highlighter where each corner <laughs> had a different colored tip. Everyone I remember in, those highlighters. That was very fun. Everyone agreed this was the coolest thing they'd ever seen. I agree as well. Still agree. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, the other kids saw how many points were needed for the highlighter and quickly abandoned hope, hope, but I vowed to make it mine. I spent months coveting that highlighter and voraciously read reading all the Little House on the Prairie books specifically because they were worth the most points. God, this is all coming back to me now. Um, my work paid off. I won the highlighter, and I was recognized at the school assembly for having the highest score. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of the highlight... Of my elementary school career. <laughs> I remember, I remember this, those highlighters. I remember having to do this, but um, it was not till high school. It was high school thing that we had to do. And, and I don't think I took the quiz. Maybe I did take it on a computer. But yeah, I, it was in high school because I kind of, I really remember doing it for Dracula for some reason that like. Oh my gosh. So weird. Anyway, congratulations. Uh, hope you still
0: have that highlighter. I know. You, I hope it's like uh, framed in her house somewhere. Uh, so, Beth wrote in with a wheelhouse. Um, that is sarcastic fantasy, uh, historical fiction about the complex relationship between Japan and colonial European powers. Wow. Uh, gently best- gay historical fiction where you're not sure if they're affectionate friends or lovers until the last few pages. Gently gay. Can, can I read that romance novel, please? <laughs> <laughs> um, badass female mages or sorcerers or necromancers. Um, epidemiology books, because who doesn't want to read about the spread of disease in a global pandemic? And and Beth says, not a Sarah, sorry. <laughs> wow, that is wildly specific. I don't even know Love what it. a sarcastic fantasy is. I think it's like Terry Pratchett kind of stuff where it's like uh, kind of jokey. Oh, I see. That's great. Okay. Well, awesome. So in this special episode that we're doing that uh, Maximum Fun subscribers unlocked, uh, we are talking about another uh, Maximum Fun reward that was also unlocked. We're finally doing our first page-to-screen book club. Uh, We're doing it with our friends over at the KingCast podcast. So our friends uh, Eric and Scott do the KingCast podcast where they – uh, they talk about Stephen King, as you can imagine. Uh, so we're going to read the story, The Raft, from Stephen King's skeleton crew. And then we're going to watch Creepshow 2, which is what the, is, is the adaptation of it. We're really, really excited. Uh, we're going to release the episode for everybody. But if you are one of our Maximum Fun subscribers, we are inviting you to join us at the live event and talk about uh, talk about the story and the adaptation of it with, with the four of us. Uh, so if you are interested in doing that, we will send out an email for you uh, with a link to the to the event so it's going to be the uh, November 24th at 7 p.m pacific time it's going to last for about an hour hour and a half um, but yeah so if you're one of our lovely maximum fund members you are invited to join us and just email us at reading at gmail.com and we'll send you a link to the zoom event uh, but if and everyone can can read the story and watch and, and listen to the episode. The episode will be released for everybody. Uh, but it's just Maximum Fun members that will be able to pr- participate in the live event of it, like of us recording it and 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 whatnot. But don't worry, if you are not a maximum fun su- subscriber, uh you can still listen to the episode. Uh so before we give out some writing advice, we're gonna take a quick break.
1: Mallory, do you like documentaries? I love documentaries. Oh my god. Well, did you know that this week, Reading Glasses is supported in part by Curiosity Stream, Smart TV for your Smart TV. It's like Netflix, but for documentaries, which is the best part of Netflix.
0: Yeah, it truly is a dream. We love Curiosity Stream. They have uh, sponsored the show before, but like you said, it, it's it's Perfect. If you are a huge documentary fan like I am, and I know that Bria is, it's great. It's a streaming service that has thousands of them, thousands of documentaries and nonfiction TV shows on topics like history, nature, science, food, which I know Bria is excited about, mm-hmm. technology, travel, and so much more. And I, I love the way that it's curated because it's like spoo- – it literally, they literally have a curated section called Spooky Stuff. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, wow, this is made for me, but it's like Spooky Stuff – dinosaurs, history, women's stuff, like it just is curated exactly how a person who likes documentaries wants something to be curated. Yeah, that's true. Because when you're thinking about a documentary, you're like, I want to watch a documentary, but I
1: want it to be specifically about this one thing. You know, like you aren't exactly going looking for documentaries where you're like just documentaries across the board. You want that curation.
0: Oh, for sure. And they even have a curated section, which is perfect for a month like this, November, where uh, it just says feel good things. So it's oh. like, you wanna, you wanna feel better and watch a documentary about kittens? Here you go. I it love is it. Abso- absolutely awesome. They have, and they have exclusive programs featuring uh, documentary uh, titans such as David Attenborough, Stephen Hawking, Nick Offerman, and Chris Hadfield, which is just like, if you, if you ever had a moment where you're like, I just wanna sit down and listen to Stephen Hawking tell me about space. We got you covered here. Totally
1: covered. And guess what? You can actually stream it from your TV, phone, tablet, or computer. So it's on all the platforms. So if you're you're going somewhere and you want to watch it in the car, I don't know. I don't watch stuff in the car because it makes me sick. Maybe you're at a park and you want to watch something at the park on your phone. You can do that.
0: <laughs> also... I'm so jealous of you if you get to go anywhere.
1: (laughs) People are traveling. Listen, it's the holiday time. People are going places. So this is a great way to watch something on, uh, whatever you're getting some more. Maybe you're just at your family's house and you're like, want to escape. Pull up that tablet and watch some Curiosity Stream.
0: Yeah, if you don't want to argue with your uncle this year at Thanksgiving, why don't you watch a documentary about dogs instead? That's a much better use of your time. You can go to curiositystream.com slash glasses or use code glasses when you sign up. So it's just $14.99 for the whole year. $14.99 for thousands of documentaries for an entire year. Truly a dream. If you are a history nerd or a science nerd or you like any kind of documentaries, curiosity stream is the thing for you. So that's curiositystream.com slash glasses or use code glasses for $14.99 for the whole year. Glasses. 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 The Beef and Dairy Network is a multi award winning comedy podcast here on maximum fun, and I would recommend you listen to it. But don't just take it from me. What do the listeners have to say? Would I recommend Beef and Dairy Network podcasts? Um no, I don't think I would. Right, let me be very clear about this. Under no circumstances would I recommend this to anyone other than that. No, absolutely not. No, I couldn't. I feel quite sick thinking about the things I'd heard. Please stop calling me. Please leave me alone. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast available at MaximumFun.org and at all good and some bad podcast platforms.
1: Literally, just leave me alone.
0: This week, it's NaNoWriMo, or National Novel Writing Month. So during this year's Maximum Fun Drive, one of the reading classes specific rewards that our subscribers unlocked was an episode full of writing advice. So we figured this would be the best time to do it. The first week of of NaNoWriMo. I know a lot of folks who listen to the show are participating. Uh, So we got some... Great writing advice requests from from our, some of our subscribers, uh, but before we get into the questions and the advice, uh, we want to uh, to tell folks why you should listen to our advice, why, uh, why you should listen to uh, what we have to say about our about the writing process. Also,
1: you should um, note NaNoWriMo, if you haven't ever participated, it is really cool. It is um, a structured system in which you try to write a novel in one month, which is wild. You have to write a certain number of no- paid, uh, words a day. It's a whole thing. Um, yeah, didn't we do it? We did
0: an episode about the history of it last year. We right? did. Last, but, but, you know, so if you weren't listening, if you haven't listened to every, every Glasses episode. Well, you I mean, you could folks could go back. If you're like, oh, I don't know what that is. You can go back and listen to that episode and have yeah. us tell you
1: the history of it. We also talked to like three different people last year who were participating in it. So, um, yeah, go back to November of last year if you want to hear more about that because it's a really cool program. Um, but yeah, um, uh, Mallory and I are both award-winning ri- uh, writers. I I am a screenwriter, and I write comic books, and I just won for my latest movie, uh, Best Screenplay, the Fantasia International Film Festival. Uh, Mallory is a screenwriter and a nonfiction writer, and her and her book, Lady from the Black Lagoon, was a bestseller in hardcover and paperback. It won the 2019 Rondo Award for Book of the Year, the Skibo Award for Best Biography, and was nominated for the Hugo and Locus Awards. So uh, we feel pretty confident in our writing writing vice abilities but can I just say this you don't have to win any awards to be a writer and to have valid input and thoughts so like yes. I think also like there's a lot of people uh who might have differing opinions and their opinions are also valid but we'll give you ours and our yeah. systems and how we do our writing and then uh uh if you hate them throw all of these ideas in the garbage.
0: Yes, just this is basically just for folks. If you like, if you th- there are people out there who like only listen to reading classes and don't realize we do other things. So in case you're like, why are these random book podcasting ladies giving me writing advice? This is why. And also, I mean, B- Bria and I are both subscribers to the idea that like the best writing advice is the w- the stuff that works and think different things work for everybody. So th- we're gonna tell you stuff uh, that might not totally not work for you, and but maybe something in here will help. And that, that's the goal here. Uh, again, we're recording this before the election, so if you're listening to this and you're like, why are they not talking about this big thing that just happened in the country? That's because we're still in the future. <laughs> or we're still in the past. Uh, we, are, we are in the magical past where, where but that has not happened yet. Uh, so our first uh, advice request came from listener Rose, who says, I used to get so much writing done in coffee shops. For me, it was a space that told my brain to get work done, and I can't seem to recreate that feeling at home. There's nowhere I could say." Go to that's a different place than where I live and also my and also do my day job. Now that I can't go sit somewhere and sip on a fancy drink someone else made while being away from distractions, how do I do any writing? Help. Bria, what should Rose do? Yeah, that is really
1: lame, and I'm very sorry about that. I have to say, like Mallory, I I, we are both at home writers, like we tend to write at home. Um, but lately I've been going to a park not too far from me. I bring snacks. I bring my tea. I spend a few hours there in the morning, like a couple days a week, uh, which is really nice, but it is winter and maybe you live in a shitty climate or you work hours that keep you from going to a place that's during the day. You know, like you work hours and it's dark by the time you get out of work or whatever, so maybe that's not an option. Um, I, I think my advice, like if you can't go to a park where you can like bring your own tea or even stop at a coffee shop on the way, pick it up and then you know, go, um, I, I try to get myself into writing mode, um, by doing it at the same time every day. And I think this is going to be, we're going to sound like just repeating the same thing over and over again. Cause I think we both have the same method. Um, yeah. like literally every day, every day I, for years I wake up, I do a workout and then I start writing. Sometimes I swap those two. Sometimes if I have a lot of shit to do, I'll write first and then do my workout. But, um, if I do it every day, it's just part of my routine. So even when I'm not feeling it and I'm like, I can't get in this mode, I'm like, well, you have no choice because this is part of, it's like taking a shower. Like you're not, you don't have to take a shower, but you really should. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Don't be a smelly writer. (laughs) So we're going to keep going back to routine, I think. But uh, let's say that that does not work for you. I will say like, I have one little trick that I do, which is I make a playlist for everything I'm working on. And so if I'm like, okay, I really got to write this thing, like, set in the 80s, then I will, like vacuum my floor or do something like that is really mindless. Do the dishes. I love going on walks or something and like listen to my playlist and think about what I'm going to write. So I'm like thinking about, I'm listening to like fucking white snake thinking about the eighties <laughs> and vacuuming. has got her hair teased up. She's got yeah.
0: spandex
1: on. No, it doesn't
0: involve all that, but it is like a like
1: way to like jumpstart. Like, Oh, I've been in, especially if I'm like, I'm working on three different things right now and that's like so hard to do. So what I'll do is I'll like go put in my headphones listen to like what, like the, the playlist for what I'm working on and, and go on a, on a long walk. And then I'll think like, okay, what is the eighties thing that goes with, here I go again on my own. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> it's basically like taking yourself out of the pressure by doing a mindless task. It's the same way if you listen to a lot of like, like how, how to come to conclude, whatever, I don't know, some bullshit like thing, about how do you, so people say they have a lot of ideas in the shower. And yes, like true. And I think it's because it's mindless and you're you can like literally let your mind wander because you're not engaging with a television show or engaging with your partner or whatever you, you do throughout the day. Um, so those are those are my my hacks. Uh, what how do you think Rose should handle this?
0: Yeah. So sorry, Rose. I am cannot relate to this. I hate writing in public. I am not a coffee shop writer. Uh, I don't. Like not being able to pee whenever I want, like having to ask somebody to watch my stuff. You know they have bathrooms and coffee shops. Do you know they have bathrooms and coffee shops? No, but I mean you like you're leaving all your stuff there, and you have to like wait to like either you just like leave your stuff or That's you true. have to ask somebody. That's I don't, true. and I also don't want to wear any pants. Uh, but so I feel like some of the appeal in like coffee shop writing or like going somewhere else to write is that you don't have an infinite amount of time. You're in a spot that is not your home, so your brain is in work mode and knows at some point you have to stop and leave. So you're. Kind Kind of like, okay, well, I got to do this because uh, I can't stay here forever. So I think maybe one, removing all distractions from your desk, put your phone in another room, uh, and also setting a hard stop time might be helpful. Um, you know, like, okay, putting my phone in, in the kitchen, setting a timer for two hours, um, and then just going uh, mm. and finding, maybe find a desk or a spot in your house that's only for work. Uh, that's another thing that me and Bria are, are all about is like, okay, I don't I do not do anything else at my desk. You know, mm. I don't read at my desk. I don't watch stuff at my desk. My desk is my work spot. When I'm sitting there, it is time to work. Um, also, final thing, uh, there are lots of like coffee shop ambiance playlists. on oh, um, like a little Starbucks spot. Mix. Uh, A little Starbucks mix. Yeah. Well, it's literally like, you know, it's like, it's like, almost like one of those weird ASMR things where it's like a playlist where like you can hear the sounds of people talking in the back. It's like just like a lot of white noise, but the white noise you would get in a coffee shop with like tinkling glasses and people talking and like cars going by. Mallory so asking the might- person next to her if she can use the. She, they can watch her stuff. <laughs> while going, she goes to the back. Hey, I really have to
1: pee. Can you please watch my stuff? Like <laughs> <laughs> that's your biggest thing
0: about not the like expensive ass coffee. It's like don't make it's me talk true. to strangers. <laughs> Oh, I hate that. Oh, man, because then you're sitting there peeing as fast as you possibly can because you're like, what if they're a psychopath? What if they're going to grab my laptop and run with it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just want to be able to pee whenever I want in my own home. (laughs) I don't want to deal with that. Uh, Okay, uh, Bria, what's the next writing request? Writing advice request? Alex wrote in with a different problem. Uh, You have done a
1: lot of episodes about authors getting paid for their books, the publication process, and similar topics. However, you've never done an episode, unless I'm mistaken, on how an up-and-coming... writer gets their book from an idea to having a relationship with a publication company to having it published i admit this is a bit of a selfish request um as i've been writing a book during quarantine but i would love to know how to get in touch with a publisher to see if it is something they're interested in or if i should go down the self-publication path instead and i will say alex is right we haven't actually like talked about that specifically
0: yeah, well, I mean, because this is not a writing podcast. Right. <laughs> Except for today. today. Today's the day. We're going to help you out. Uh, what is your advice for Alex? Uh, so I, there are a lot of ways for this to happen. Uh, I think fo- folks need to realize that, like, everybody has their own different path to publication. There's not, like, one one size fits all. This is how you do it. Um you know, some, t- some publishers are open for submissions, especially smaller publishers, indie publishers, um, micro presses. They're more – a lot of them are open just for – to the public. You know, you can – you'll see on their website they're, like, open for submissions and you can read the guidelines and submit yourself without, like, just you and the publisher. Uh, I know Tor.com does this sometimes for their novellas. They'll have, like, an open submission. Um, but the thing is many big traditional publisher, publishers do not. Like, I do not – I I did when I sold lady from the black lagoon, I did not have any connection. Like I, I, it wasn't me submitting and in like being in conversation with Harper Collins, um, so it really depends on what you want to happen with your book. For me, I really wanted my book to come out and all my books to come out from big publishers because I wasn't interested in the work of being a self-published author. You know, I didn't want to like coordinate the designing of my own book covers and do my own publicity and marketing because I'm like, I just know that I don't want to do that. And I'm shit at it. Uh, so I did what most uh, most authors who are with bub- big publishers do and I got an agent. And so what you do is you research agents that represent the kind of book you're writing and see which ones are open for submissions and queries and then you query them research how to write a query letter and, uh, and 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 go from there you know I've been with my agent for five years uh, he Brady Mcreynolds he's the best I adore him we have a great relationship and I don't think I'd want to be an author without an agent but again this is just me like a lot of fo- authors don't have agents so that that was this is my personal advice for publication and if Alex wants to be with a bigger publisher or wants somebody else dealing with all of that like financial legal contract minutia that's the way to do it
1: right and we're also talking about like um Time. We're talking about time, right? I mean, all of these roads, unfortunately, are meandering and winding, and it's never going to be as quickly as you want it to go. But if you are like, my novel is done, I don't need to do anything else to it, I and no one wants it, then I think self-publishing is okay. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, if you are looking, and it is a more straightforward, quicker way to get your book out there, but you are going to have to be the marketing person. You are going to have to be, you're going to have to do all of the things, and if you like doing all of that stuff, then, like, that's awesome. But if you don't, like then you might want to go the route that's going to take a lot longer. It is going to take a lot longer, unfortunately. Um, yes. Publishing is the
0: slowest thing in the world. It is. Except maybe the film industry. Except maybe –
1: exactly, actually. Uh, but I think, you know, for Alex, if Alex is, you know, feeling antsy and wants to, to get it out there, go for it. But if you think that this book, like, you want it – you don't want to do all those jobs and you want to try to see if you can find an agent through it, then I think doing the query letter thing is good. Um, I don't have an agent – I will just say um but I also like have a very uh, the way I become a published author is very comic book wise is very complicated the way I started doing screenplays is not the question you're asking so it's uh, <laughs> so I won't get into all that shit but um I will say like if you want to go my route for being a comic book author study acting for many years <laughs> go on hundreds <laughs> and hundreds of auditions finally book an NBC show called Heroes <laughs> Go do a con in in England meet an author, a comic book writer uh, artist that you really like attach him tell him you want to write comics and send him your idea attach him to your idea take it to IDW he drops out and you have to find a new art, artist but that's okay because you've already sold the book that is was my <laughs> first comic book so it involves easy <laughs> peasy it involves having <laughs> another career and like billions of billions of whatever however you measure luck how do you measure luck gold coins billions of gold <laughs> coins in luck Um, so there's, there was, I, I can't really speak to it, but I think, I think, I think what we're saying is that like, I mean, both are valid and like, I'm, I'm literally reading a self-published book right now by an author who has- done books the the traditional route but also self-publishes and like I think that both are very valid ways and like if you feel like you have the the you know the energy to go out there and publicize your book and and get it out into the world yourself or if you just sort like I just need to put this book out into the world so I can move on there those are always options for sure
0: yeah, so I think what we're both saying is figure out what you want to happen, what what you really want to happen with your book, what kind of book you're writing, and then uh, research where to go from there. There's, there's so many great online um, tutorials and, and places. There's a lot of authors, a uh, friend of the show, Delilah Dawson, I, I know um, Jim Zub, Jim Hines. There's a lot of authors out there who like have free advice on like how to get into the publishing industry on their websites of the show, Don Juan Song, who is a fantastic literary agent of a lot of really big authors that you know and love, uh, has a great YouTube series called Agent Talk. So just like Google, Agent Talk we will also put, a, put a, a link to it in the show notes him and another agent give out industry advice so there's yeah. a lot of resources online for places that for people who are answering these sorts of questions
1: yeah and in addition to all that I mean finding a writer community I know like this is a very different field but when I first started acting finding that actor community of people who are like in the same boat as me like we're not on TV we're not doing anything but we were taking classes together every week and we all helped each other out we helped each other get agents and stuff and we answered questions for each other um, I think finding that community online could be really cool
0: so emma says is there a trick to learning how not to treat ideas as sacred this is the number one thing that makes trying to revise a project in any meaningful way incredibly tough for me to do bria what should emma do
1: yeah no this is really tough and it's a really good question um and i think i have such a weird approach to this because i come from an acting background and i think i've said this on the show before but like when you're acting and you don't get a note about something that means that you have like you're not doing a good job. Like you want notes and feedback because it like helps you to get to where you need to be. Like you can't really act in a vacuum, I think. That's just me though. Um, As a writer, I totally hear you. I um, I think for me, having it go cold helps a little bit. So write it. Send it to your friends or whatever, but then put it in a drawer, wait for a month or two, write something else and then revisit your friend's notes or without the notes, whatever, whatever makes you happy. Um, I don't know. Time makes the heart grow less sacred. I'm not sure what it is. (laughs) Uh, But I think but I think something about time starts to like diminish your ego about it. And I don't know what that is, but like I can look back and be like, oh, God. They may be right, you know, but it takes like a month. It takes a couple of months sometimes. Sometimes it takes a really long time. But I, it's, yeah. it's figuring out where my ego begins and where the good notes uh, <laughs> begin, ends and <laughs> begins. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think time, time is the thing that helps me. Uh, how do you, how do you deal with this, Mallory?
0: Uh, and this is something I use for both for everything, uh, uh, nonfiction, screenplays, fiction, whatever it is. I always, if there's something that I that seems really like a darling, something that seems really sacred to me. uh, I'm like, okay, well, what purpose does this serve? Like I get really Mm -hmm. brutal about it. I'm like, does this matter? Is this just like a cool moment that I like or is it serving any purpose in the story? Is it characterizing somebody? Is it advancing the plot? Is it building the world? Like what purpose does it serve? So if there's this thing that you like, this idea that you have uh, and it serves some sort of purpose – that normally is a, is a good indication that it could, should stay. But if you are struggling to sit there and and and, t- and figure out how it's serving the purpose of your book, it probably should go. Uh, and if you are having a hard time figuring that out, like Bri said, beta readers are great. Uh, writing f- have, finding writing friends. If you don't know people in in real life or um, you know online or like people you know personally that um, are writers or readers, like there are so many. Uh, resources online for writing groups uh, you know if you're a member of our Slack channel there's a writing channel there uh, there's just so many places online to find people to swap manuscripts with um, you know I Bria Bri and I read each other stuff me and Jeremy uh, my boyfriend and I read each other stuff my best friend Lauren is my first reader for everything you just like find people who who, tr- who trust who who you trust but also trust to like actually tell you when things aren't good that's the other thing is the the, all the people I share my writing with I trust to be like hey Mallory this is cool but it doesn't It's just fluff. This is extraneous fluff. So between Mm. those two, between being able to, and like Bria said, sometimes time helps you a little bit. Sometimes if I, if I put something down for a week and then I can look at it and be like, you know what? This doesn't serve any purpose. Like right now I'm writing my next nonfiction book, girly drinks. And if you've read Lady from the Black Lagoon, you know, I'm a huge nerd about things. But so what I'll do if I find myself going down a rabbit hole about like something that isn't related to the book, I'm like, okay, what purpose does this serve? Yes. This like fact is interesting, but does it have anything to do with the history of women drinking? And if the answer is no, out it goes. You just have to, like, you have to. Ha- I find having a central vision and the central purpose for what you're writing is really, really helpful for that. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, what's the next one?
1: The next one, uh, uh, Blaga writes in and says, This has clearly been asked before, but what I struggle with the most is sticking to a story slash idea. I will get one that I'm very excited about, work on it for a while, and then get hit by the feeling that it is no good or that it's been done before and it's no use for me to go on. Do you have any advice on how to effectively combat that?
0: Mallory. Mallory. It's something that is very, very hard to to do, uh, especially if you're struggling with your own self-confidence and self-esteem as a writer. But you have to remember that even if your idea has been done in some way by somebody before, it's never been done by you. No writer with your exact experience has done it. You're bringing something completely unique to the table, which is you. Uh, I mean, think about how many vampire books there are. Mm-hmm. Think about how there's so many, there's a lot of books out there in the world that have similar topics, but they're completely different. And I think the mark of a great writer is you could take, a group of five great writers and give them one topic and they would all write completely different books because they're all just different people. So just remember that even if there's a theme or a plot or something that's, you know, already been done before by maybe many people, you are the only, you, you are writing it uniquely and you never know what's going to come out. So just don't, don't, you can't think about that. You can't like, you can't cut yourself off before you even start. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought it's going to be about like I lose interest in it. But if you haven't lost interest in it, then I think it's a story that you need to tell. I totally agree with Mallory. Just let this shit go. All art is derivative. We've seen everything. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's hard to make something. You'll not make something new. There's no way. We all have the same this cultural knowledge of art that's been around for many years, and we've seen it all. So just give that. Just let that shit go. Because you're it, if you do something slightly new, people will appreciate it, and you don't need to worry about it. I, I totally agree that your voice is needed uh, in whatever you feel like you need to tell, and you need to tell it. Like think about what you, if it, it feels important to you then I think you need to tell it and just let that go. Fight those demons. Tell them, pull out your magical sword, fight those <laughs> demons and tell the, tell those demons that they, that they don't know what's up, that you're, you're giving this a new spin. And honestly, if you, if right, if this person and I wrote this exact same book, their book would be different. You know, even if we were given the exact same prompt.
0: Well, and also think about how many, think about wheelhouses. Like there's so many folks who are like, Oh, I read this book about this very specific thing. I want to read another book about this very specific thing. That's such a good point. You know? Yeah. Uh, and like I'm constantly like I love Twin Peaks I want and anyone's like oh this show's like Twin Peaks I'm gonna watch it I'm not gonna be like oh gross I don't want to watch something that's like Twin Peaks that's exactly what I want so don't don't worry about that stuff uh, so before we give out more writing advice we're gonna take a quick break this week reading glasses is sponsored by one of our favorite sponsors ever
1: oh my God I know what you're about to say it's a
0: short story advent calendar oh
1: wow. We loved this advent calendar. It is the cutest thing. We loved it so much. Mallory, tell people more about this advent calendar because it is amazing.
0: So, folks, remember advent calendars? You get them on Christmas and there's like some really cheap chocolate in each one. Well, this one's even better because inside, instead of a cheap piece of chocolate, you get a short story. Short story advent calendar is made by Higson & Olsen. And it's a deluxe box set of 25 booklets for every day leading up to Christmas. Yeah,
1: and each story is sealed, so you won't know what's inside until you open it. And when you're done reading, you can visit
0: shortstoryadventcalendar.com
1: for an exclusive interview
0: with the author. And the 2020 edition includes stories from amazing writers like Adam Sternberg, who wrote uh, The Blinds, which is a book that we loved, Amber Sparks, Jim Shepard, and many more. So it comes in this adorable box, and it is, one, it's a great gift for yourself because you get a great short story le- every day leading up till Christmas in December. And it's a really, really adorable gift to get someone. I remember last year when we got sponsored by them, a bunch of folks uh, got them as gifts or got them for themselves and tagged us in photos of them. And they are so so cute it's the perfect gift for someone who in your life that loves books that loves reading and you don't know what to get them because you don't know what books they've already read short story advent calendar is perfect because you know you haven't read them they haven't read them because it just it, they they release a new version of it every year with new short stories yeah and don't wait till december 1st the whole thing is you open each one on a day
1: in december up till christmas so Go get it now and visit shortstoryadventcalendar.com today. When you hear this, you'll save 10% off your purchase when you enter the promo code GLASSES at checkout.
0: Yeah, so that's 10% off the Short Story Advent Calendar for you or somebody you love or someone that you think is hot. I don't know. That would be a great uh, gift for, for just about anybody. So in the promo code is GLASSES. Glass, GLASSES. 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 Welcome. Thank you. No problem. Thank These you. are real podcast listeners, not actors. What do you look for in a podcast? Reliability is big for me. Power. I'd say comfort. What do you think of this? Oh. That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor and down from the ceiling? That can't be safe. I'm upset. Can we go now? Soon. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast. And we are back, and now we have a writing advice request from Ben, who says, Any advice on getting more comfortable writing shitty first drafts? The number one thing that stalls me out of projects is how feeling bad about the scene I'm currently writing makes the whole project seem like it will unravel, even though I know it's much easier to fix, on, fix things in an edit than to achieve something that will, quote-unquote, work in planning. What should Ben do, Priya?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say like, I am a spaghetti at the wall writer. Like I will write a full draft know I'm going to throw out 80% of it because I just feel like I need to see it before I know it's wrong. <laughs> but not everyone is this way. And I understand that. So if that is stalling you out, I would say go, you need to write a good outline first. Um, if if I'm stalling in any way, I go back to the outline and retrace what I was trying to do from the beginning. So um, I, I'm a real skeleton outliner, even though I'm, Again, spaghetti at the wall. We'll just write and barf on a page, and then I'm like, "That's my first draft." Um, and throw <laughs> so spaghetti at your skeleton. Yeah, and but then I, but I do have like a skeleton outline just to um to sh- to push me in the right direction. I also will say, I mean, and this is screenplay specific, so it's kind of different. I think for a novel or something, but if something is hard, I just skip it. I I skip it. I'm like in this section. This huge scene happens where some at the end, this person has to survive and this person can't. Like, if I cannot figure out how that happens, I just write that. Because if I'm flowing, I want to keep going. And I know what happens in the next scene. If I know what happens in the scene after, then I write the scene I know about. Because I... I feel like the following scene will somehow probably tell me at some point what the scene is before. So I, there's no rule you have to write linearly, and I think that's one thing that people really get stuck on. They're like, I can't get through the scene. I'm like, skip the scene. Maybe the scene is actually not supposed to be in the show or, you know, a movie or the book or whatever. Um, so, so I think, like, write the things that are working in your first draft and then go back and find the things that are not working and outline, outline, outline. It will really, it will really help. It's not exciting to outline. Outline's so goddamn boring. And I would say the first, like, five scripts I wrote had no outline, and that was a mistake. It was a huge mistake. No one reads those scripts. They never got made. So, and there's a
0: reason. Uh, what, do, what do you say for uh, Ben? Uh, I hard agree. I worship at the altar of outlines. Yeah. Um <laughs> I, but I actually love writing an outline. Oh, oh, I love writing an outline. No. Oh, I love it. It's
1: not part of my process at all, but I've just found oh. that if I don't do it, then the script won't get finished.
0: Oh, no, I love it. Um, also, drink, which I'm only mostly kidding about. <laughs> that There's something about like if I have some bourbon, I'm like not as critical about myself. <laughs> no, I believe that. Which is yeah. Which is because you're just like not, you know. Just get a little buzz going, but I'm 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 only mostly kidding. But I am a little bit, Um, honestly. Really, it comes from getting in the habit of trusting yourself. I write the same way. I I sit down and I'm. If I think I'm having a hard time or I'm like, oh, if I'm getting bogged down with, I'm thinking like, oh my god, this sucks. I just go, you know what? I'm just gonna give myself permission to write shit today. It's okay. It's just, I'm just gonna write shit, and that's fine. If you even want to like differentiate that part and like highlight it, or make it in a different font, or italicize it, or whatever, it's just like okay, I'm just gonna get through this. Like it's gonna be shitty and it's gonna be choppy. Like I'm doing that with g- parts of girly drinks right now, where I'm like these transitions are all sloppy. But it's fine because 90% of the time when you were sitting there, at least for me, if I'm like, oh, this is, this really sucks. I just have to get through it. I'm just going to write some shit. If I, when I go back, I'm like, oh, this actually wasn't that bad. I just needed to get it out. Uh, I, now, now I'm at the point where I just trust myself. I trust myself to know that if I just get it out, most of the time it will actually be okay. But you have to take that pressure off yourself and you have to let yourself go, which is for me where the bourbon comes in. (laughs) But you might have your own thing, whatever it, whatever it takes, honestly, just like uh who there's a writer i know who i heard writes in white like in a word document like makes makes the the color of the text white so she can't see what she's writing holy shit i know insane wow Um, but so she can't second guess herself she just has to get through it that would drive me bonkers Um, but just find out whatever you need to do to get past that bria what's the next question uh, Lillian wrote in,
1: uh, wanted to talk about outlines. Have you ever used a structured outline? I started using Dan Harmon's story circle and it's helped me write longer works than before. Mallory, do you, um, do you use a structured outline?
0: I don't. Well, I, I mean, I, I, have never made used one made by somebody else. I make my own, but I've never used one of those like, um, you know, the, either for screenplays or whatever. I just sort of like, I, I like my own structured outline, but one that is controlled and, and designed by me. What about you, Bria?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, screenplays have three acts. You have to write it in three acts. If you don't, <laughs> you have not written a screenplay. I'm sorry. You haven't. So I, or you, I mean, you've written something and maybe it'll be really cool and experimental, but it's not like a traditional screenplay. So yeah, I use, yeah. I use like the act structure. I use save the cat cause I'm old school. I like the story circle. I think it's very cool. Yeah. I think, um, I think using a structured outline is, is great, but you don't have to. And especially I think for a book, you definitely don't have to. Um, but I, I think we're both advocating for some kind of outline. And if you're stuck, for me, I will be like, "Why is this not working?" And I'm like, "Oh, you know why? Because I'm not using a traditional three act structure right now, and I'm I my midpoint is off or whatever." And that it's, it's usually that it's usually that it's not going with a traditional
0: sort of outline. Honestly, yeah. Uh, what's our next question? Uh, Chris wants to know: Have you found any tips or tricks to help with the situation I often find myself in, which is I'll often be thinking about a project that I'm working on, having ideas at non-writing times and then when i sit down to write it often seems impossible it's so frustrating to carve out time to work but my brain won't seem to help me out i can sometimes break through this if i have a prompt or i'm in a writing competition with a clear goal however finding productive rhythm on my own is proving difficult it ends up starting to get defeating because i can't generate excitement or momentum bria what should chris do
1: chris with a k don't get defeated there's nothing wrong with a writing prompt. A writing prompt is great. It's a great way to get your motor pump in and think about stuff. Um, and also, like, I, I mean, I, I just think that, that, I mean, I think that, like, whatever gets you productive is good, right? I mean, what, even if it's, like, something as simple as a writing prompt and then maybe you write two lines of your own on something else, you know? Um, I mean, just, again, I think we we will probably reiterate this a lot, or we have been, but it's, it's – I know Mallory and I both really – like the structure of writing, so if you're gonna sit down Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and write for one hour, uh, just sit down, write for one hour, set a timer, throw your phone in the garbage, throw throw
0: <laughs> throw it right into the blender. I mean, you Probably should do it at the at, at anyway. Like what a dream, yeah, I just know. throw, throw your phone that phone right seat. in the garbage.
1: Turn off all everything. <laughs> put on music if you need it, whatever you need. Like create that atmosphere that you need, and just. And write for one hour, you know, or, or, or just Mondays. I don't know. Whatever it is that you need that you think you want to do. Um, uh, because I think writing down these ideas on the phone, I do that too. And then I look at them later I'm like, what the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I found one thing uh, when I was directing Pandora, just one piece of paper that I had written science on. And it was like, it seemed really important at the time, but like, I have no idea. <laughs> no like, idea. What does this mean, past Bria? <laughs> But like, okay, like let's think about it like this. Like, if you are feeling like you're you're getting defeated because you're you're not feeling productive, I think like just it. I think we're both saying force yourself, but don't force yourself. If you sit in front of a blank screen for an hour, that was you writing because you were thinking about it, you were fo- fo- mm-hmm. focusing on it, and and uh, you know on Monday, write one page, write one page or something, one page. And that means that if you do that for a year, you'll have written 50 pages. If you write every Monday for one page, that's, that's good. That's good. And I also think, I think that the structured time, I just like cannot emphasize this enough, but it may not work for everyone. So I don't know, but, but like structuring your time and then closing your computer and then you're done. That's the other thing that I think is really important because at the end of the day, there is no fucking muse. She doesn't exist. She's a fucking bitch. She. <laughs> that bitch does not show up when you want her to show up. She's late to the party. She shows up drunk. I don't know what the the muse is about. (laughs) And I think that there's this like myth that as an artist, you get visited by the muse and then you write and you spend all night writing and oh my God, I wrote my book. And some people do fucking do that. And I don't know them, but I think they exist. But I I don't know them and none of the artists I know are able to live that way. So I think your, your brain is always working. You're writing shit down, but have a specific time for you to be a writer. This is your hour every day that you're a writer. This is your four hours every day that you're, whatever is your thing. However much time this Saturday is Saturdays at seven a.m. to eight a.m. You're a writer and you sit down at the fucking computer and you turn off the phone and and do it. And I think it's ha- it's easy to get defeated because it's a fucking hard job. Like, it's hard. It's not easy. What do you think? I feel no, like I, just- I
0: totally agree. Because it's, I mean, the easy and fun part of writing is like the little flashes of ideas you get. Like you said, like, mm-hmm. oh, And I, every, all, like I have, just like Bria, like a little notes, the notes app in my phone, which I fill with like cool little ideas and stuff. The hard part is actually sitting down and connecting all those things. Because all that connective tissue, that's the real work of writing. You know, we all have fun ideas of, Ooh, what we want the book to cover to look like and what the title is going to be and, like, all the cool little things. But, like, the meat of it, like, the fucking hard thing is sitting down and, like, connecting all of those things together. Uh, so I think, I mean, we're, we're going to sound like a fucking broken rec- record, but I think what Chris, along with all those flashes of fun ideas and inspiration... Make an outline because if something, sometimes if I sit down to write and I don't have a clear path ahead of me, I just stall out and then I start to panic. And then I, my anxiety just like, because I'm like, I don't, I can't figure out how to get to A, from A to B. Mm-hmm. But if I have an outline, if I have sitting there going, okay, well, this needs to happen and this needs to happen and this needs to happen, mm-hmm. like my whole world is just like little pieces of paper. I'm, I'm showing Bria, fi- like all these little, put- I'm, I'm surrounded by all my girly drink stuff right now. And that's just, I know that that's how I need to write. I can't just sit down and things can't flow forth from me. You know, there's this always, there's two kinds of, generally two kinds of writers, and there's a lot of people who've written about this, which is pantsers or, uh, or as some people, I think it's George R. R. Martin calls it, yeah. architects and gardeners. Yeah. And architect, Br- Brie and I are architects where we like to have a structure for things. And some gardeners, I know that they exist, sit down and just like flow. It sounds like that's not who Chris is. And that's not how Chris writes. And Chris just needs to uh, come up with a roadmap for, for, for their writing. And I think that's the mo- like, it's really helpful when you, if you can't figure out how to get to A to B, if you make a little map for yourself, you mm-hmm. know, even if it's like the most intricate, I have, out I have an outline for my book and then I have an outline for the chapter yeah. and it really, really helps. Even in 90% of the time, I don't follow the outline, but just knowing how to get there is really, really helpful.
1: Yeah. And I will say like, I have a little cheat. I'll get, I'll give a cheat hint thing that I do at the end of every, I know what I'm going to write tomorrow. So at the end of every writing session i'm like okay the next scene is this and i'm kind of excited to write that next scene and i leave it i leave it alone i just like i write i write the pages that i want to write that day i usually have like a number i'm trying to hit for the day and then i'm like okay i know what my next scene is it's going to be this but i leave it the fuck alone so my brain can ruminate on it and so i sit down and i already know what i'm going to start writing which is something i've only started doing like in the last year and it really really helped
0: uh, so, this next writing advice request is for Bria. I mean, like, it's for both of us, but I'm, this is uh, definitely a, a, a Bria thing to, to answer. So, Andrea or Andrea or Andrea. All Andreas or Andreas, please let us know which pronunciation of your name, because I don't want to pronounce it incorrectly. Uh, but they write in, when I write, I always struggle with making characters distinct from each other. I was wondering if you guys have similar weak spots in your writing and what you do to strengthen them. Do you ever do any sort of writing exercises or do you just keep writing as usual? As a nonfiction writer, most, that's mostly what I do. I don't have to worry about this because all the people I write about are real people. What, what Bria- is the Bourbon's personality? <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> what are you? How do how, how do you um, how do you deal with this in your writing, Bria? Yeah, I
1: would say I would say two things. One. Every character and everything I do is modeled after somebody. And they're either a famous somebody, a character from another movie, or somebody like I know, or someone I kind of like only kind of know, which for some reason is the easiest thing is like someone I know tangentially because <laughs> I can like listen to the way they talk and like project things onto them. So every person is like someone <laughs> I grew up with, like my teacher in sixth grade, all of them, they all have assignments of being that person. Uh, and then... The second thing is there are all of these really great outlines, and I use them sometimes. Or great question things for actors um, that are like actor background sheets. And you could just Google like actor background or actor questions or something. And basically, you can if you're having trouble finding a character, you can go through those sheets, and they're great because they're what an actor would do. Like if you were writing a screenplay, they would probably do that for your character anyway. But it's like everything from like. Who is this person's great? Who do they admire most? What's their greatest fear? like, like all all these things that will help you like find them if you feel like you're not finding the character. And then I think it will be easier (laughs) to transfer them onto somebody in your life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So next um, we have tips on research. This is a Mallory question. Tips on research. How to track down the notes you know you took, but having trouble finding them, finding specific info in the pile. Electronic or handwritten, any special indexing software, use of keywords or some methods, how to know what's valuable.
0: Uh, so this is from Chris, and this is definitely a me question. Uh I I was just telling Jeremy the other day, I was like, God, I really hope that I don't die while I'm, before I finish writing girly drinks, because my system of research is so complicated that no one will ever figure it out. Cause it looks like I'm tracking down a serial killer. Like if you look at my desk, it looks like I am like, like it's that scene from it's always sunny in Philadelphia where there's like all kinds of shit, like, you know, taped to walls. Um, but so I learned a lot of lessons when I wrote *Lady from the Black Lagoon*. That never put anything on future you. If you are sitting there and you're you're like, oh, I got this interesting line from this article I read online. I'll just write it down and I'll figure it out later. No, you fucking won't. <laughs> write it. Save everything. Be su- the best. My best advice for research uh, is be super organized because you won't remember the things that you think you're going to remember. You won't remember the way things things go please save yourself some time, save, uh, be kind to future you. Uh, for me, I, I, um, I, have, I keep all a track of in, uh, notebooks. Whenever I, I write down anything, I write down my source, so I have everything set for my bibliography. Um, the way I'm doing girly drinks um, is everything's organized chronologically. So it's all, all everything I have is organized by color with highlighters and colored post its, and it's like a weird system, but it totally works for me. Uh, all of my uh, all of my research is done handwritten. So when I go through a book, I pick out things that I think are valuable and. Just, you know, even if it if, if it isn't used later, there's like my all of my books are like a the tip of an iceberg where that's all the relevant information. But to get there, there's like five million other facts that I needed to have in the back of my brain to be able to write those things. So don't question like don't interrogate yourself too much about like, OK, well, I, this fact might is this fact going to be used? Is it going to be valuable if it? seems like it might just fucking write it down you don't have to use it later even just knowing it might be helpful uh so keep track of everything whether that's to for a certain character maybe you can assign certain character if you're doing something fictional sign certain characters different colors of highlighters and highlight uh you know mark next to passages where that is relevant to that character if you're doing something nonfiction uh and you're doing it chronologically you can do it like i'm doing with uh with different um like each chapter of girly drinks has its own notebook. And in that notebook are, are all the different colors. Just be organized, figure out your own system of organization that works for you. Uh, the, honestly take, try take it for me who was like crying over trying to make my bibliography for lady from the black lagoon, uh, get, get organized and don't ever trust future self to, to know anything or to remember anything because you will be crying at 3 AM, uh, before your deadline. <laughs> <laughs> So as always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy and Jessica who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderator our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to buy Reading Glasses merch, uh, like stickers and tote bags, you can go to the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's great for us. It helps us reach more listeners. We're really excited about the fact that we're over we're over 1K now and when we get to 2K, we'll just look even fancier. You can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for reading. reading.